So, all right, so we are looking at Romans chapter 11, 25 through 36. The title of the message is The Mind of the Lord. Uh, we're we're going to read uh, the, from 25 to 36. It says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest, you, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion uh, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gift, gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Praise the Lord. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? For who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, through him, and to him are all things. To whom be, God, to, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So point number one in your notes. Uh, we're going to kind of break this down into three sections. Uh, verses 25 through 27. Your first point is Israel's redemption. Israel's redemption. And so the first thing in that verse that he says is, I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant. So if he's telling us not to be ignorant, there's probably a good chance that we can be ignorant. Uh, you know, that's really deep stuff there. Uh, but it's true. You know, anytime that passages or phrases are repeated in the Bible, that's kind of God just turning his volume up a little bit and say, hey, dummy, listen. Uh, so there's a chance that we could be ignorant. Uh, there's a chance that we could... Um, Willfully or unwillfully be ignorant. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 10.1, there's four different passages that kind of use this same phrase. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And Paul is talking about the nation of Israel there uh, as they went through their own baptism, if you will, uh, as they were going uh, over into the promised land or out of the land of Egypt, excuse me. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 1 now says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Uh, Paul wants you to know, and God wants you to know, that you have spiritual gifts. You can be ignorant of those facts if you don't have somebody that can take you along saying, here's what your talents are, here's what God's showing you. We all have a spiritual gift that God has given each one of us when he puts his Holy Spirit within us. Uh, and that's what we're here for, to help you figure out what that is. Uh, and also to figure out what your gifts aren't, so... Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. The church at Thessalonica, they had already thought they had missed the rapture. Uh, they were concerned about some of their brethren that had already died, you know, what had happened to them. And so Paul was saying, don't be ignorant of this. And lastly, 2 Peter 3.8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And so you can really take that passage, and he's talking about the second coming, and when, when, can, when can that occur? Uh, and so one day to God is like a thousand years, so you can kind of roughly look at time and say, you know, we're close. We're six, seven, six thousand years into this, so uh, before the millennial reign. So there's chances that we could be ignorant of all those things uh, if we don't 
pay heed to when we have teaching and preaching and when we read it. And so, you know, the ignorant of the mystery that he's talking about, what are we ignorant of the mystery of? Was well, the restoration of Israel. Uh, and so when you break down a mystery, you have to look at, well, what does it mean? It means that there is something that was hidden in the Old Testament that has now been revealed through the apostles and prophets in the New Testament. Uh, and it's revealed to the church. Ephesians 4, 3 through 5, or 4 through 5, 3, 4 through 5 says this, Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so, you know, there are several things that we need to be aware of when we use this word mystery. Uh, there's seven, you could probably... There's seven major mysteries that we want to look at. Uh, if anybody who's been through the sevens class in our MTT uh, program, uh, we kind of looked at this. Uh, the first one is godliness. Uh, godliness is 1 Timothy 3.16. Uh, indwelling, which is the Christ in you, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, Colossians 1.27. Um, church, you in, in Christ, it's the mystery of the church, Ephesians 5.25-33. Uh, the restoration of Israel, Romans 11.24-29. Uh, which we're going to talking about right now. Iniquity, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 13. Mystery of Babylon, Romans 17, 5. And the mystery of the rapture, which is 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55. And you don't have that in your notes. There's only so much we can put on that little little page. So if you want to take a picture of that, I would, I would recommend you doing that if you haven't been aware of those. Uh, otherwise, you can, Derek will wait for every person uh, and give you a copy of that, you know, after we're done, so... Uh, but, but you do well to know those mysteries. Uh, so, and so we need to understand, why do we need to know the mysteries? Well, God has called us to be a steward of those mysteries. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 says this. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so... God wants you to be faithful in those seven things that we just talked about. Uh, and so being faithful mean, means that you know what they mean and what they apply to and how they apply to the church and how they apply, how they apply to us. If you can master those seven things, then you'll be well on your way to mastering you know, a, lot of different, a lot of things that you need to as far as doctrine uh, in, the, in the Bible. So uh, if you're not faithful, guess what it can lead to? Well, the passage says that it can lead you to being wise in your own conceits. And so, we all know that person. We all work with that person, right? Uh, they're unteachable. They're unreachable. You can't talk to them. It's their way or the highway, right? Uh, and so, people are people. And so, if we work with those people, if we know those people, well, guess what? Those people are in the churches as well. And so, we have to be careful that we have the right heart attitude and the right approach and spirit when somebody, whoever it is, is saying, thus saith the Lord, that we're not unreachable and that we're not unteachable, uh, that we are willing to hear what God has to say through whoever stands in this pulpit, through whoever, whoever stands and teaches in Sunday school, whoever, you know, in discipleship, wherever it may be, uh, we have to have the mindset that, you know, I'm just going to soak this in. I'm going to accept it. It's God's word. And I'm not going to be wise in my own conceits. What does the Bible say about a man like this? Proverbs 26, 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. 
Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And so God is, it's like red light, don't do this, you know. Please don't do this. Please don't be that person. Why? Here's your first key. Deliberate ignorance, by definition, is not ignorance. It is rejection and rebellion. And so think about, think about what we're saying there. You know, there's un, unlaw, unwillful ignorance or, you know, when you just don't know something. But when you have somebody standing in your pulpit, when you have somebody across from you in discipleship, when you have somebody Sunday after Sunday saying, thus saith the Lord, we can't take, you know, the earmuffs. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. You did hear that. We all heard it. And some of us, you know, have been under some pretty good teaching and preaching for, I would say, eight or nine years. You know, some of us have. Uh, so there's a lot that we are going to be accountable for at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, we can't say that we didn't hear it. Nah, you know, can't do that. Uh, James 4, 17 says this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Uh, and so just to be clear, I'm not talking about someone who has been taught false doctrine. Uh, we have a lot of people in this church from different backgrounds, uh, some good, some bad. Uh, and that's not what we're talking about. Someone who, and we're not talking about someone who hasn't been exposed to true, true doctrine. And we're just talking about someone who time after time is hearing this from the man that is preaching to them or teaching to them. Uh, and so, you know, we're also, we can't do that every time that there's an area of correction in our life that God's trying to show us, or there's something that may seem difficult to grasp. You know, I, I, can, I really had this attitude about revelation. Uh, you know, there's no way I can understand that. There's no way that, you know, I can get that. And so if you approach the Bible before you even start, well, there's no way I'm getting this. Guess what? You're not getting it. Because you've already, you've already told God, yeah, I can't do this. Guess what? He can. And so if you have the attitude that you give it to me, I will take whatever it is through your Holy Spirit, then he can, give, he can show you the deep things of God. We talked about that on Wednesday night this week. Uh, there's the deep things of God that God wants you to know. Uh, if you have his Holy Spirit, if you have his divine revelation, his word, you can know those things. You can. You can. It's as easy for you, and it's as easy for me. Uh, there's no, God is no respecter of persons. You look at some of the, you know, you look at the apostles, and you look at some of the guys that were following him. In the world's eyes, they were all looking at these guys like, these guys are going to be preaching? You know? Those guys, listen to how they're talking. And, I mean, they're just fishermen. They're just tax collectors. And li listen to how they're speaking. You know? Uh, some of you are thinking that right now, you know, Cody's up there? Yeah, sure. But, see, God can use anybody, I promise you. So, uh, See, if I go ahead and make the jokes now, then you didn't do it to me. I did it to myself. So, It's all good. So the next thing we're going to look at. Uh, so, we, again, we have to be, we can't plead ignorance. Uh, when, we go, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, most of us are not going to be able to say we didn't hear it. Most of us are not going to say we didn't know. We're not. Uh, so the next thing we look at, that blindness in part uh, has come to Israel. And this is, this is really 
uh, kind of getting into some things here, you know, all, and the reason that these, you know, we struggle with this sometimes is, well, why do we need to know the, why do we need to know all this stuff in the Old Testament? Well, God is using these as examples and ensamples that this stuff can happen to you. Uh, if you choose to put your earmuffs on, if you choose to put your blindfold on, well, God will do the same thing to you that he did to Israel. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 through 15, but it shall come to pass, and this is a conditional statement. Obviously, God knew what he was, what he was preaching and, or what he was telling these people ahead of time, but he says, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, Guess what? If you don't do that, here's what's happening. That all these curses shall, not if, may, they shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And he's speaking to the nation of Israel there. Deuteronomy 28, 28, 28 and 29. He goes on. If you read that passage, there's about, you know, however many, 14, 15 verses of these are all the things that will happen to you if you don't hearken. These are all the things that are going to happen to you if you don't do what the Lord says. Um, well, then he gets to the end here, 28, 29. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart, and thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. Again, it was flashing caution lines. This is, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 14 through 16, Paul addresses this as well. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. And you think about that. If you can remember, Moses would go up in the mount, and he would come down, and his face would be glowing because he had been with the Lord. Well, Israel was scared to death of this. They didn't want any part of it. Put the veil on. You know, it's just too much. It's too much. We can't handle it. And so, you know, we have to have, we have to be careful. And the application for us is, you know, God wants to know and spend time with each, each person in this room. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your counselor. We can't rely on whoever's standing in this pulpit. Well, you just go get that and spoon feed it to me. Now, we are to preach and edify. You know, we are to make sure that you are uh, growing in the word and in doctrine. But, man, once you figure out what's going on, go get it yourself. Go get it yourself. If you haven't been in discipleship, go shake somebody and say, hey, I want to be discipled. And we'll fix you up. We'll, we'll pair you up with somebody. You know, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that's not attainable for each person in this room. There's not. Uh, if you'll put your, put your mind and your heart to it. And so the things, they were blinded. It says they were blinded until a certain time. It says until the fullness of the Gentiles. And so when you see that term fullness, it kind of represents a break or a uh, time stamp, if you will, in dispensations a lot of times in the Bible. Galatians 4, uh, 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And this is after 300 years of not hearing a word from God. God sends his son uh, to the nation of Israel. Uh, one more time. Ephesians 1.10, that in this dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together and one all things in Christ. Luke 21.24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, 
and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. When? Or until the times the Gentiles be fulfilled. And so this time that he's talking about, and in this, in this passage, it began with the Babylonian captivity uh, and the destruction of Jerusalem. That was around 606 B.C. Uh, you can look that up in Second Chronicles 36, 14 through 21. And when does that time stop? Well, it stops at the end of the tribulation, the second, second coming of the Lord, when he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem uh, at the beginning of the millennium. Uh, so, you know, that time of the Gentiles is slowly, you know, has slowly went for 2,000 years, but we're, we're just on the precipice of it being done and being fulfilled. Uh, verse 26, uh, it says, how many slides was that on the first, first verse? Oh, there you go, so... So, verse 26, we'll speed up, says, All Israel shall be saved. Let's, let's read that. So, all Israel sh- shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And so, when you read this passage, you have to be careful, put it in context, and put it in the light of what we're reading in the passage. Is all Israel going to be saved? Has all Israel been saved? Well, of course not. You know, just like all the Gentiles won't be saved. Uh, but, you know, you can look in Scripture. There's several Jewish men that are in hell right now. Uh, Dathan and Abiram, you remember the men that were murmuring against Moses. The, the earth swallowed them up, it says. They are in hell right now. That's number 16. Uh, the rich man, Luke 16, the rich man uh, that was asking him, Asking God or asking Father Abraham to send, uh, send them, you know, please go back and talk to my brother. He's in hell right now. That rich man is. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees, Matthew 23, Jesus told them they were the children of hell. Well, if they're the children of hell, they're probably in hell. I'm just saying. It takes a lot of, a lot of thinking here. So. so to think that God is going to save all individual Jews who ever lived is just not biblical. So we have to understand we're not talking about all Israel as a nation or as a, as a people individually. What we are talking about is the national Israel that we talked about last week when we talked about the fig tree, if you remember. Isaiah 59, 20, And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and to them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. And so what I like about reading the Bible is there's, when God tells you there's, it's conditional, it's conditional. And when he tells you it will come to pass, it, he says shall or will. And so you don't have to question what's going to happen. Uh, this is a, rever- a, a reference to the Jewish remnant that will make it through the tribulation. Uh, Zechariah 12, 9 through 14. I'm sorry if that's a little, you may want to turn your Bible quickly if you can find Zechariah. And I, I'd have to find it too. So um, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitterness uh, for his firstborn. In that day shall be their shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadramimim in the valley of Megiddim. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, and their wives apart, and the family of Shemai apart, and their wives apart. All the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. So this is the Jewish remnant that is left that makes it through the end of the tribulation. 
Uh, and so verse 27 says, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Again, you know, when God makes a covenant, God keeps his promise. God keeps his word. Uh, he says, I shall take away their sins. Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Has this happened yet? No. But it will happen. You can, you can bank on it. It's going to happen. Isaiah 35, 3 through 5. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And so God is going to do that for his people. They are still, Israel is still the apple of his eye. Uh, as we've talked about continuously through this study, the church has not replaced Israel uh, under any circumstances. Uh, there, this is not, you know, repa- replacement theology. And if you want to just break it down, it's of the synagogue of Satan. Uh, and you can read that in Revelation. Uh, and he says that I shall take away their sins. We talked about last week in Ezekiel 37 when we looked at the valley of dry bones. Uh, and, you know, Ezekiel said, can these bones live, Right. Um, and and can you continue this in Ezekiel 11? It says, I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. Uh, it's going to happen, folks. It's gonna, he's going he's gonna to save his people, uh, and you know, it's going to be awesome. So point number two. Uh, y'all good? Everybody good? All right, let's keep going. Point number two. Uh, man's reconciliation. All your blanks are by the letter R today. So uh, it's, this is really deep. You know, you have to do all these things. That, you know, even if you're, you can be a preacher, you know, even when you're trying to be one. If you'll just do all the you, letter R's or letter, whatever the letter is, all your points have to be the, starting with the same letter. And, and then you put on the jacket. So there you go. So uh, You can do this too, I promise. Just play. Uh, so verse 28. So, man, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. So the first phrase we'll look at is enemies for your sakes. And remember, if you go all the way back when we started uh, in verse uh, 13, if you know, obviously we didn't look at this, but a few weeks ago we did. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. So Paul is establishing who the audience is that he's speaking to. He is speaking to the Gentiles that have been saved in the church. Uh, so he's saying that you have become, Israel has become enemies for your sakes, the Gentiles' sake. So keep that in mind. Romans 10, 19, but I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are, of no, that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. God's really got a high opinion of you today and, and me, so... Uh, Romans 11, 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. So God did this to make Israel jealous. Uh, and we all said, praise the Lord, you know, uh, thank you, God, that you did this, uh, that you would have mercy upon us. And we'll cover that in just a minute. And the next thing we'll look at is beloved for the Father's sake. And this is very important when you're breaking down Scripture 
We talked about this a few weeks ago in MTT. Every word matters. Every tense matters. Every punctuation mark matters. Because why? If you just read through this, beloved for the Father's sake, and you don't see that it's plural and it's possessive, well, guess what you're going to think? We're talking about God, right? No. We're talking about the Jewish fathers and prophets. That's who we're talking about. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 8. I know you don't believe me, but let's look at the Bible. It says, but because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Deuteronomy 10, 15. Only the Lord had delight in thy fathers to love them as he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. So God made a promise. God made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Isaac. He made a promise to Jacob. He made a promise to David. He's going to keep that promise. It didn't matter how, you know, it didn't matter all their, all their offspring. It didn't, doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter how wicked they were. Uh, you can read about that in Kings and Judah. Uh, you know, the kings in Israel and the kings in Judah. You can read about that in First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. It don't matter. God chose them. Because of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, because of their faithfulness, uh, God is going to restore his people. Uh, and so and we just, we just kind of get to be the audience or the you know, people that get to watch it as it unfolds. And it's going to be a great thing. Uh, so next, it says, verse 29, it says, The gifts and calling of God, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Uh, you know, you ever had somebody give you something? You know, maybe it's, and they say, oh, wait a minute, I didn't mean to give you that. Let's, let's, let's pull that back, you know. I meant to give you this, you know. Some of you do that in the offering plate, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> y'all heard that joke, right? Uh, people that make change in the, in the offering plate. But, um, so the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So in other words, you know, when God gives you something, it's a good gift, and it's permanent. It doesn't, it doesn't rust. It doesn't fade away. Uh, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God's got it. You know, if he promises and gives you something just like he promised Israel, he promised those prophets and fathers, uh, he's going to make that promise good. Malachi 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. There, because I change not, uh, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Um, and we praise the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26-28. For you see your calling. And so when you, again, I titled this the mind of the Lord. We can't, you know, anybody that would just continually wrong us and continually, you know, disobey us or continually just say no, what would we do? We cast them off, right? But we're not God. And so when we see these passages and we see the mind of the Lord, that's what God is calling us to have. Uh, you know, Peter asked Jesus, how, many, how often shall I forgive my brother? You know, seven times? No, 70 times seven. 490. Can you think about, you know, somebody that 490 times that they would continually spit in your face? Continually say, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, that's, 
That's the mind we're supposed to have, though. That's the mind that God has. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-28. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not, my, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Uh, and I praise God for this. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things, the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Because, because God chose these wicked dogs, Gentiles, us, to take his message to a lost and dying world. Uh, to confound the wise. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 30. So, uh, times past, it says, you believe not, yet obtained mercy. Um, and so, when you look at this phrase, times past, it, you know, we all have a past. For those of us that have been saved, uh, you know, we all have a past that God saved you from. And praise the Lord for that. Uh, that we, and we don't have to go back to that anymore. Uh, and we obtained mercy. It says, among whom, Ephesians 2, 3, it says, among whom also we ha all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So, you know, we're all equal at the foot of the cross, right? You know, there's no uh, good sinners and bad sinners. We're just all sinners, saved by grace. And I praise the Lord. Gal Galatians 1, 23. But they had heard only, and this is talk Paul kind of recounting, his testimony to the church at Galatia, that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. You know, God has chosen the base things, right? Um, you think about who he chose to be his apostle to us, Paul, a man that persecuted his church. If God can use him, God can use anybody. Uh, God can use anybody. He can use us. Uh, and obviously, you know, when we think of Paul, we think, and rightly so, greatest Christian I believe that ever lived. I, I believe that. Uh, but he was also the chief of sinners. He said that himself. Uh, and so, you know, we have to understand that, that there's hope for each one of us. Verse 31. Uh, also, also now, not believe, through your mercy, may obtain mercy, if you look at that passage. And so what he's saying is, uh, that these Jews that we're talking about, and he's, again, he's still talking to the Gentiles, these guys are going to obtain mercy through your mercy. Uh, and what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about um, the word and ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, and as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And so, you know, obviously we talked about this. Blindness, it said, in part, has come upon Israel. There are still Jewish people that can get saved today. Uh, but, you know, it's probably not going to be as easy as it would be to a Gentile. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff you're going to have to scrape away to get to them. Uh, and so, but we are called to take that mercy we obtain, take it to them, take it to all nations. Uh, we are called to take the message of the gospel, including any Jew that might believe. Uh, we have to do that. So verse 32, and this is cool. For God hath concluded them all in my unbelief that he might have mercy on all and so 
you know, it's kind of like God's, you know, taking record here. Guilty, 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 guilty. We're all guilty. And so all means all. In this case, both, in this case, both Jews and Gentiles. Romans 3, 22 through 23. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.12, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So no matter, you know, no matter how good uh, you may think you are, no matter how uh, you know, much you do in this life, your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. Uh, the only thing righteous if you're saved today about you is the Lord. He, he, he alone is righteous. He alone is worthy. We are all uh, concluded in unbelief. We're all in need of a Savior. But guess what? There's good news today because he had mercy upon all. Amen. First Timothy 2, 3-6. through six. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. And, you know, all the Calvinists just kind of like, oops, you know, what are we going to do with that verse? Yeah, right? Who we all, all will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You know, I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care which, where you went to seminary. I can read English. And all means all. It does. Um, and so you got to, if you're a Calvinist today, glad you're here but you're going to have a hard time explaining that verse to me you really are um, god would have all men to come to salvation second peter 3 9 the lord is not slack concerning his promises some men count slackness but is long suffering to usward we all said amen to that right not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and so thank god uh, what is the result well john 10 16 tells us and other sheep i have which are not of this fold them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. It doesn't stop there. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And it's the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, you know, and I kind of talk about this. Obviously, the application for us is, you know, we're talk obviously talking about Jews and Gentiles. Uh, but you can kind of apply this to the body of Christ that's in here today. Get used to each other. You know, you're, we're stuck with each other. Uh, so, you know, figure it out, you know, because we're going to be spending a long time together. Uh, and so, you know, we might as well start practicing now. So uh, point number three. Uh, so the point number three is God's resolution or conclusion to this matter. Uh, we're going to read verse 33. It says, Oh, the depth and riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Oh, we can't know the things. Let's, well, let's go home, right? That's, so, no, that's not, not quite. So, Job 37, 23. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and plenty of justice. He will not afflict. Psalm 139, 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Great is the Lord, Psalm 145, 3, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Uh, you know, Solomon, when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, if anybody had everything that you could possibly have access to, 
for a lifetime once he took the throne. It was Solomon. Uh, just the amount of, you know, gold and silver and, you know, I think Jay referred to that last week that they were just using silver as stuff to do the payment, you know. Um, and the amount of offerings and, and, and food and everything else that he had coming through every day. Uh, he had everything he could possibly want. Um, here was what he said about it. He said, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Uh, and so why can we not fathom it? Why can we not, you know, we can search it out. You know, we can know some deep things. Uh, well, here's why. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And we all said amen to that, right? Uh, I am, I'm thankful uh, that my thoughts aren't, the, aren't, aren't God's thoughts. I really am. I'm thankful that my ways aren't his ways uh, because, you know, we would all be struggling. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so, you know, obviously, he's God. There's... You know, we can study it. We can try to figure it out. We can try to have the mind of the Lord that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But he's God and we're not. You know, and we need to have that, that mindset. Uh, verse 34. Who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Did God call anybody this week and say, hey, I got a problem over in the Middle East. You know, could you, could you help me out with that? David, you got anything? You know, uh, I've got this thing, coronavirus. You got, you got any solutions? You know, I'm, I'm sure he's not calling Papa Joe trying to figure it, you know, asking his advice on this, you know. Um, no offense to anybody, but... <laughs> except Papa Joe, I guess. But uh, So God's job as creator, maker, sustainer is not on the market. You know, it's not on Indeed.com. It's not on LinkedIn. Uh He's got it covered. Uh, he doesn't need any help. And most of the trouble that we run into as believers is when we, we try to swap the roles with God, right? Uh, you know, we don't submit to his authority, and then we wonder why our life is just complete shambles in a mess. You know, because we have put our earmuffs on and our blindfold on. Oh, I'll go do this, you know, and then wonder why things are screwed up, you know. Um. There was a man that wanted to uh, be God's co-pilot, uh, or not a man, but a, a being or a creature. His name was uh, Satan, yeah, Lucifer. He wanted to be, he, di he didn't want to replace God, but he said he wanted to be like the Most High. Uh, he wanted to be right there with him because he thought God needed help. Yeah. Well, we know the end of that. Uh, God doesn't need any help, and you know, the song, uh, or you may see the, the bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot. How about just let God be your pilot? You know, how about you get out of the driver's seat, go sit in the back, and let him drive you around? That's probably a little better. Uh, Job twenty one twenty two. Shall any, any teach God knowledge? Uh, see if he judgeth those that are high. Isaiah forty thirteen. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16, For he who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. 
but we have the mind of Christ. And so, in other words, we can't instruct the Lord, but we can have the mind of Christ. It talks about that in Philippians, uh, that we can have that mindset. And so your next key, as a believer, God has given us the power through the Holy Spirit to transform our minds and hearts after his or to pattern his. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, you know, we kind of we think if we, if we present our bodies a living sacrifice, man, we're, we're doing 120%, right? I mean, we're really knocking it out for God. Uh, well, God looks at that as your reasonable service because he laid down his son's life for you. This is the least that you can do, you know. Uh, and then it goes on, it says, Be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, and how do you do that? Well, you get in God's word. You pray. Those are the two you know, venues or, or means of communication. You pray to him and he teaches you through his word. Uh, if you're waiting for some, you know, for God to you know, show you something in the clouds or you're waiting for him to you know, uh, give you a sign, you already got your sign. Just walk in it. Uh, he's given us everything we need. Verse 35, it says, Or who hath first given to him, uh, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. You know, there wasn't anybody, you know, when God created, when Jesus spoke everything to existence, there, he's a triune being, there wasn't anybody else that was hanging around, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, make this look like that. You know, God did that. Jesus did that. The Holy Spirit did that. Uh, so, you know, there's nothing that we can give him. There's nothing that you can do for him. He doesn't need you. He's God. We need him. You know, uh, and he's given us this ministry of reconciliation uh, because it's to glorify him. You know, one of the things we talked about, again, on MTT and on Wednesday nights is you may ask, some people may ask, well, what is the theme of the Bible? And a lot of you would, you know, and good things, salvation, you know, um, you might talk about that. You might talk about, you know, a lot of different things, but. This is about Jesus Christ getting glory. It's the, it's the, it's the kingdom. Uh, it's about the restoring of that kingdom and him setting up his reign in Jerusalem and him getting all the glory and all the, everything that he's due. That's what this is about. It's not about the Gentiles. It's not about the Jews. It's not about you, me. It's about Jesus. And so, you know, that's the attitude that we need to have. Uh, you know, we can't give him anything. And so lastly, verse 36 uh, if you'll go forward there a little bit, Derek. Uh, it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be God, to him be glory forever. Amen. Uh, and I think we could all say amen to that, right? Uh, all things. And so, obviously, when we read this, there's a passage in Colossians chapter 1 that I want to look at quickly. Uh, and it's 12 through 20. And that phrase, all things, I don't think you, know, you could... You could Use other passages in the Bible, but I think this is the one that you would go to. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or suitable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us 
from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom uh, we have redemption through his blood, and the whom is the son, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, the Son, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, preeminence excuse me, uh, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Uh, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things into himself, by him I say, uh, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And so it's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He was the, he was the word uh, at the beginning. He was the one that spoke everything to existence. And everything's going back to him. Uh, and we best learn to accept it. We best learn to accept it. And so, you know, we have to understand that because all things were created by him and all things are for him and in, all hymns, in him all the fullness dwells, well, then if we have that attitude that my life, I exist to give God and Jesus glory. If we have that attitude, uh, then God can use us and he can, he can work through us. Uh, so, you know, in closing today... Uh, there's a few things that I want to talk about today. Leslie, you can come on up. Uh, so I told you we'd get through them. I mean, we've got time to spare. Look at that. So, so obviously, you know, we talked a lot today about Israel's renewed relationship with God. Do we have a relationship with God? You know, it's, it's very easy in a passage to look at this and, oh, this is, once we establish we're talking about Jews and we're talking about the right, then we don't have to, again, I'll just kind of halfway listen, right? Um, but the application for us is the same. Uh, do we have a relationship with God? Have we trusted in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? You know, are we willingly ignorant of biblical doctrine and truth from God's Word? You know, are we coming in, closing our ears because we somehow think we won't be accountable? Uh, you know, lastly, do we realize that this life is not about us? All things means we exist to give God's glory, uh, give God glory with our lives. And how are we doing with that? Uh, so those are just some things to think about. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you.